Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you are new to church and don't have a Bible, that's okay. I don't want you to feel left out. Feel free to use your phone or tablet uh, to uh, follow along as well. There are apps for tons of Bible apps you can download and look on uh, with us as well. I'll tell you what verse we're going to be in in just a second, but... Um, wanted to also just encourage you guys to take notes during our time in God's Word today uh, because we believe that when the Bible speaks, that is God speaking, okay? And so if you want to hear from God, you're going, man, God's just not speaking. God's just not speaking. Um, this is your moment, all right? This is uh, God literally speaking to us today from His Word. Um, so, yeah, I encourage you guys to take notes. Let me just tell you a little bit about where we've been in our current message series called Better Together. What we're doing is we're taking a glance at uh, some elements of biblical relationships. And so this is not just a series on marriage. Like a lot of times when a church talks about, you know, puts a graphic like that up of Better Together, like, oh, great, uh, you know, uh, three or four weeks on marriage, you know, and, and uh, usually that's like uh, a bad sign if you're single because you're like, oh, great, more reminders, right, of, of, uh, of this, uh, but then also uh, you get a lot of moans from people who are married that are like, oh, geez, now my wife's going to want me to talk when we get home, you know, it's like all this stuff that happens, and so I realize that this, uh, this series, but I hope that you've been um, delightfully encouraged uh, by this series because we are not just talking about marriage. And so um, we started this series a few weeks ago talking about love uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and talked about what a biblical view of love is versus a worldly view of love and uh, set the foundation. And then the week after that, Wes came up and talked to us about marriage and um, we talked about the covenant and talked about the differences in marriage and divorce and what the Bible says about marriage. And um, so I hope you were encouraged by that. Uh, and then last week we had Pastor Bob in the house and uh, Bob came up and talked about the number one um, competitor for our hearts in relationships, which is money. And, uh, and so I love uh, the fact, and then we did a discipleship workshop, and so thank you guys, all of you who came out for that. I hope you were encouraged by that. Um, today, we are shifting gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about a different type of relationship. And to be honest with you, this is a topic that rarely gets talked about on a Sunday morning in church. Like most of the time that I've heard these messages, um, or even preached these messages, I've preached them uh, to youth groups. When I was a youth pastor, I spent 10 years as a youth pastor and used to talk about this a lot. 
um, or bigger churches that have like entire young adult ministries, right? Where they, they just like, hey, let's get everybody that's a young adult, which is really funny to me because you walk in, there's like people in, with gray, like gray hair, like they're, you know, 50 years old. And they're like, oh, I'm still a young adult. You know, nobody knows what it is. And usually what it is is it's a church dating service is what it is. And so it's really just a singles ministry. So you just kind of show up. Yes, it is. Don't look at me that way. Okay, so I'm just saying like a lot of times when I hear messages like this, we reserve it and only talk about it to certain people in the church. And so today on a Sunday morning with all of us gathered together, I want us to see what does God's word say about biblical singleness. Okay, biblical singleness. And the reason I want us to look at that, and so some of you may go, oh, Brandon, I'm, I'm married, not really planning on being single. Let me just say amen to that. I hope that's true. All right, like, uh, you know, but listen, this message is still for you too. Not that you need to, to know for your own self, but so that those who are married in our church know how to interact with those who are single in our church, okay? And um, if you are single, today um, and this I want you to know there are different types a lot of times when we think of singleness we think of one genre of person but I want you to know there are different types of singleness there uh, there some of you today may be single um, you know just because maybe you're you're still young and you're not ready to get married yet or you're single and you've wanted to get married and so this is actually like the uh, maybe a uh, kind of a touchy sensitive subject um, there are those who have been divorced and you've been married, but now you're single again. Those who have lost a spouse because of death or something of that nature. And, and so there are different types of singleness. Um, so I don't want to just stereotype singleness today. But what I do want to do is open up and see what does God's word say about it. Because when I grew up in church, um, this is what I grew up hearing and honestly being trained to believe that if you grew up in church and you were a Christian and you were single, something was wrong with you. That's what I grew up believing and hearing. In fact, when I moved uh, to Northern, let's talk about singles a lot. Like now that I'm married and I've got three kids and I get up and say, man, I want to, let's talk about singleness or let's see what the word says. You know, people who are single look at me and go, oh, great. Another married dude going to teach me how to be single, you know. Like I understand that it can be kind of like a, you know, like, whoa, you know, Brandon, you don't know what you're talking about. The good news is I'm not the one doing the talking today, all right? We're going to open up God's Word and hear what God has to say about singleness today. But I, I do know, like, what it's like. When I moved to Northern Virginia from Mississippi, I was single. And, I, and not just single, I was, like, real single, like, super single. Like, like, when I moved into my apartment, like, I had a pillow and some clothes. Like, I was... Single, single, okay? Um, and so, like, I, I just, that, and then I remember, like, going through church life, and, um, and, and the problem is, like, the church didn't know what to do with me being single. Like, they didn't know where to put me. They didn't know where I belonged. But then I really freaked them out because I was a pastor and I was single. And that really freaked some people out. Like, what's his problem? What's wrong with him? And so then it became a game to the church of date my youth pastor. And I, and every, I just, after the first year, I stopped accepting invitations to people's homes for dinner, okay? Because it always came with 
a granddaughter or a, or a niece or something, all right? Um, and so, like, I, I just, I understand, like, we as a church don't always do a great job when it comes to ministering and understanding singleness. And so I want you to understand this. I believe with all my heart the biggest reason for that is because the church in America worships and idolizes marriage and family. Now, I know that's hard to hear because we go, Brandon, I love my family, and I'm glad. You're supposed to love your family, okay? I'm glad you do, but you're also supposed to love Jesus more, okay? And so, uh, so we're going to dive in uh, today um, as we go in 1 Corinthians 7, um, but I just want to say something. Well, no, let's just dive in. Let's just dive in. I told you I, I'd let you hear from the Lord today. All right, let's start in verse uh, 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25. If you're there, say, I'm there. Great. All right, we're just going to read a little bit. I'll stop and talk. We'll read some more. 1 Corinthians 7, 25 says, Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. All right, now let's stop right there because I need to set some foundation for what that verse means. Um, so first of all, the word betrothed, um, in the Bible, betrothed can mean a couple of different things, but um, it probably is best translated to our word like engaged, like there's some sort of commitment. But I think the best, after studying it, the best translation for that word is actually virgin. It just means someone who has not entered into a marriage covenant and has kept their bodies pure from sexual relations. Okay? So that's kind of the best translation for that for that word. Not really a good English word uh, for that. But then uh, there's a guy writing this named the Apostle Paul. Everyone say Paul. All right, Paul is everybody's favorite person, all right? Because uh, if like you read one passage from his and go, yeah, preach Paul, all you got to do is keep reading because then you'll be like, I hate Paul. You know, like uh, Paul is the only person in the world that when we get to heaven, we are going to hug him and hit him at the same time. Like it is, you know, we have some issues with Paul. But uh, here's what I want you to understand. We as Impact Church, we believe that anytime the Bible speaks, it is God speaking, Okay. We just believe that. I am not smart enough to parse through, or, well, maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe I'm too smart to parse through and try to figure out where in the Bible is God speaking and where was it just Paul speaking. I believe Paul identifies himself as an apostle, which is a messenger of God. And so I believe, so here's what he's saying. When he says, I have no command from the Lord, People immediately just write it off and go, oh, well, he's, he's just speaking for himself. Those are just Paul's opinions. No, what he's saying is, I, don't, I, I have nothing that Jesus specifically said about this. So he's addressing a specific concern in the church, which is singleness and marriage and relationships in the church. But he's saying, I, I was looking back through my notes. I was looking through, you know, John's notes and Matthew's notes. We couldn't find anything specific that Jesus said about this. So I don't have any specific command from the Gospels from the Lord, but let me give my judgment as, by one, uh, as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. In other words, God is going to speak through me to, tell, to help you as a church deal with these relationships. So I just wanted to, just wanted to encourage, you're going to hear that a couple of times, and I'm not going to stop every time and give you that preface. But I want you to hear me say that we as a church, this is how we handle the Bible, that when the Bible speaks, God speaks, okay? 
So we believe this is the word of God, not Paul's opinion. Okay? All right, let's keep going. Verse 26. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Um, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. All right, just wait and see if there are any amens. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. All right, I want you guys to see a couple of things here. Um, first of all, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write down this first point. And I just want to give some encouragement for our single brothers and sisters here today. The first thing I think we hear from God's word is to wait on the Lord. To wait on the Lord. Now, Marilyn talked about this in go time, but I think this is really important that we, we are taught to wait on the Lord. And I know what you're saying. You're going, Brandon, like I'm looking up on that screen. It says encouragements from God for singles. Number one, wait on the Lord. What is encouraging about being told to wait? Re, re, remarry. Like there ain't nothing encouraging about that. I don't care if you're single, married, remarried, re, re, remarried. Like it doesn't matter. Being told to wait is an uncomfortable position. When I, when I hear about this, when I think about this, the first image that pops into my mind is flying, okay? Where are my world travelers at? Anybody love to travel? Some of you? Okay, all right. I used to love to travel too until whatever's happening in the world is happening in the world right now. And now all of a sudden traveling's just really hard, you know? And, and I think about like flying and you're, you're, it's like, hurry, hurry, hurry. Now wait, okay? Hurry, you're late, you're late. Get, we got to go, we got to go. Everybody wait. We get everybody on the plane. Come on, put up. We got to take off. We got to take off. And then you just sit there and wait. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a little problem in the cockpit we're going to need to take care of. You know, and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, man, it's just like, hurry, wait, hurry, wait, hurry, wait. And I remember this one time I was flying, and, uh, and we were flying, and I, I was, had a long trip, and I was preaching at a, a camp or something, and we were, we were coming back, and I was just exhausted, because I've been too old to preach at camps for a really long time. And, uh, and so I, but I was coming back, flying back, and, um, and we, were, we made it to Dulles. Okay, we, we made it to Dulles, and I'm looking, and it's like we're descending, and everything's good. And I'm like, oh, finally, in about 10 minutes, we should be there. And so I'm sitting back, and I'm just kind of hanging out, and then all of a sudden I hear the plane go back up again. And I'm like, well, what is this all about? So I pull up my handy-dandy map, you know, little maps that are on the, on the screen there, and I'm like, well, let me see where it's going. Because it makes me feel like I have a sense of control over the plane when I can at least see where it's going, you know what I mean? As if I'm going to do anything about it. And so I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, we are, yeah, we're climbing in altitude. And then all of a sudden I see the little blue line start to make a circle. And I'm like, well, why are we circling? And then the pilot comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a holding pattern. Yeah, yeah, girl, we are in a holding pattern. In other words, we have arrived to our destination, but they're not ready for us yet. So we are going to circle the airport five times. 
until we get ready to land. After the second time, you know what I was doing? Staring out the window as if that was going to tell me anything, you know? Like I'm staring out the window as if I'm going to get some real intel here, you know? Like, yeah, I think they're done. I think, you know, I see the, the and, and it's like, you know, so I'm staring out the window and I'm checking my watch and, you know, and I'm like, well, I can't text somebody. You know, I probably could have, but you're not supposed to, by the way, you know, have your phone call. And so I'm like doing all this stuff. And, uh, and finally it hit me. It was like, Brandon, you don't know how long you're going to be in the air. Like, you bet, why don't you just go ahead and pull your laptop out and start working on your sermon for next week? And I was like, oh, well, well good idea, Brandon. So I, I pulled that out, and that's exactly what I did. And I had a whole 30 minutes that we were stuck in a holding pattern to do some work. And, guys, sometimes that's what it feels like when we're being told to wait on the Lord, especially for something that we really want. It's like we've been put in a holding pattern, right? But notice this. You can be in a holding pattern, and you can just sit there and stare out the window, acting like you have any control over the situation, or you can actually get to work with what God has called you to do. Okay? So that's the choice that we have, and that's what God is, is talking about, where he's like, he's talking about in verses you know, 26 and 27, he's like, remain as you are and don't seek you know, all this stuff. Like, you got to remember the church at Corinth, they were in a really weird situation because they, none, there were no Christians in Corinth. And then all of a sudden, there were Christians. And so now you've got like marriages where one person came to Christ and the other person didn't. And it's not like they knew beforehand. It's not like in their premarital counseling, we said, uh-uh-uh, you shouldn't get married. You know, don't need to be unequally yoked. No, like they had just, Jesus had just shown up. Like, what were they supposed to do? And Paul is telling them, listen, if you're married and one of you is a follower of Jesus and one of you isn't, stay married, okay? Like, this isn't a reason to divorce. Like, he's kind of walking through. And what he's telling them is, guys, you, you need to be able to wait. And, um, but I want to encourage, this is what makes waiting encouraging to me. What makes waiting encouraging to me is not what you're waiting on, but who you're waiting on. It's not about what you're waiting on. It's about who you're waiting on. And notice the encouragement is to wait for the Lord. It's not wait for the husband. It's not wait for your future boo, all right? It is wait for the Lord. Like you are not, if you are single, you are not waiting on a spouse. You are waiting on the Lord. And the spouse may not ever get their act together. But the Lord is fully sovereign over the heavens and the earth, all right? So you're not waiting on someone who's going to let you down. Come on. You're not waiting on somebody who's going to fail you. You are waiting on the Lord. And so I want to encourage you just with a few practical ways that we can wait, um, especially in our singleness for the Lord, okay? So I'm just going to share a few practical things. Number one is... Um, Really, the Bible encourages us to wait on the Lord for sexual intimacy. And, uh, and I know this isn't popular at all, like what I'm going to say. And, um, because the fact is, like, you have to go back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we don't have time today. I'm not going to read, go back up and read that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, Paul goes into great detail about what it looks like to wait on the Lord sexually. Okay? And the point, but let me give you a summation of the point. So please go read it just for the sake of your time today. I'm not going to read it from the pulpit, but I'm telling, I want you to go read that, okay? I'm not trying to pull one over on you. 
But the point is this, sex was given to us in the context of a marital relationship. The reason is not because God said so. The reason is actually very practical. Because God knows that marriage is the highest form of commitment that we can experience on this earth. And he knows that sex is the highest level of intimacy that we can experience on this earth. And so what God is saying is your commitment needs to match your intimacy. That I have, I have withheld the greatest intimacy for the greatest level of commitment. And so that's why the intimacy must match the commitment, and God gave us this good gift with a, within a certain context. So listen, a lot of times, especially as singles, I was taught this as a teenager. Like, all right, just sex, bad. Don't do it. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't mess around with it. They would do these crazy illustrations that, like, if you even thought about sex that week, that, like, you were going to hell and you needed to massively and very publicly repent of that, right? Which is what we knew when every teenage boy had to go drop an index card in a bonfire is what we knew what was happening, okay? It's, like, just made this, this culture. And so today what we call that is purity culture. And so what's happened is there is a rebellion in the church today, especially of this generation coming in, and even a little bit mine, to rebel against that purity culture. And so let me give you a word of encouragement for that. Because you can listen to podcasts on this, you can read blogs about this and articles, let me give you some encouragement. Rebel against the culture, but obey God's word. Because the fact is, God's word is still God's word, and it's still relevant. And did an entire culture probably mess up God's word and put legal, legalistic things attached to it? You betcha. You betcha. But that doesn't negate what God's word really is. And so I want to encourage you this. God, God is not going to remove your sex drive. He's not, he's not going to, and I think that's what, you know, even coming out of youth ministry, that's what we wanted to do with teenagers so much, is say you shouldn't even feel that way. Well, read a science book. Hello? Like, it, it's, obviously, that's going to happen. So it's not a matter of praying, God, take these desires away. This is what you pray. God, give me the power to obey your word. God, give me the power to have self-control over this desire instead of letting this desire have control over me. And by the way, that's not just for single people. And here's what I do want to say, though, is I want you to hear me say this loud and clear because I don't think this is said enough. God can and wants to forgive your sexual sin. It is not unforgivable. God stands ready to forgive it. No matter if it is sexual sin, no matter if it is homosexual sin or heterosexual sin, no matter if it is premarital or marital sexual sin, I want you to know God can forgive it. Here's what it looks like. Confession, repentance, and cleansing. You control the first two. Confession. You go, oh, Brandon, I don't really want to confess it. I'm just going to repent from it. Not how it works. 
Oh, Brandon, because, listen, if you're not ready to confess, then you're definitely not ready to repent. You'll just play around with it. Repentance is turning away from something and stepping away from it. Um, when you try to repent without confession, you just turn your back to it, but you stay where you're at. Okay? So that you can very easily just turn right back around when it comes. But confession first, okay, is actually what helps you say, I'm sick of this, I don't want this anymore, and then repentance leads you away from it. Okay? And that's why the two have to work together. Confession, repentance, and then Jesus does the cleansing. And you say, oh, Brandon, I don't know about that, or how does that work? And I just want to say this, I don't know how it all works. But I know this, I know there is not a single sin you've committed that is beyond the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Not a single one. And so we're not going to idolize family, and we're also not going to idolize sex. The culture does that, and we as Christians aren't going to. So, so we wait on that, okay? We wait on sexual intimacy. We also wait for the Lord to adjust our thinking. Okay, we have to wait and for the Lord to adjust our thinking. In verses 26 through 28, that's what Paul's talking about. He's like, hey, listen, um, you know, those who get married will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Okay, so in other words, listen, here's what Paul's saying. Don't let your marital status dominate your thinking and focus. And so if you're single here today, your singleness does not define you. You are not just a single man or a single woman. You are a child of God. And if you are married here today, your marriage does not define you. You are not a married man or a married woman. You are a child of God first. And so I want you to know, like when we start getting so obsessed with this thinking is our marital status starts dominating us one way or another. So um, I, Dr. Tony Evans, um, is a, uh, he's written some great stuff on marriage and fatherhood that I've read, but this is something, that a quote that he said, I wanted to read it to you again, a guy named Dr. Tony Evans. He says this, he says, the question is not whether marriage or singleness is better, but what God's will is for each of his children in light of eternity's values. Question's not whether marriage or singleness is better, but what is God's will for each of his children in light of eternity's values? Because listen, that's what he says. He goes uh, in verse 31. He says, And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. He says, guys, there is an urgency here. Like, like Jesus is coming back, and we're all just worried about, like, a wedding day. Like, Jesus is coming back, and the world is on fire. And we're worried about our dating lives. He says, listen, God cares about that, okay? God cares about you. He cares about your marriage, your singleness, the desires of your heart. But listen, it, is not, it was never meant to be the primary focus of your life. You are not meant to be obsessed with this area of your life. And I would just say, don't be obsessed over the things God is not obsessed with. And I would also tell you, man, don't, don't just settle because you think marriage is going to fix all of your problems. 
See, a lot of, that's what we do, right? We go, man, I got to get married. I got to get married. I got to get married. The clock is ticking. I got to get things going, blah, blah, blah. And we get so obsessed with it that it, it almost always leads to settling. And what ends up happening is I, I watch it happen with my own eyes for the past 15 years that I've been doing weddings. And I've watched it happen with my own eyes is when they just are determined to be married no matter what. And as a result, one of them who is really following Jesus has to settle in their relationship with Jesus because someone came along who was not as spiritually mature as they would have liked but wants to marry them. And when that happens, the desire to be married overcomes the desire to be with Jesus. Now let me say this. Jesus still loves you. Jesus still cares. And Jesus, yes, Jesus can change that person's heart. But you ought not have to worry about that on your wedding day. You don't have to settle because marriage is not the most important thing. Most singles feel lonely, dissatisfied, and tempted to sin. Just like married people. So my encouragement is don't let the search consume you. The time you spend on dating apps, trying to hook up with people, trying to figure out where you're going to find your spouse, readjusting your list of qualities that you have to have every day. All right? Don't become obsessed with it that you miss what Jesus has for you right now. You have freedom to get on with your life. You have freedom to serve the king. And here's some encouragement for you. When the time is right, God knows where you live. He knows how to find you. In fact, you know what's really great? <laughs> is that God gave Adam a wife. In the Bible, Adam and Eve, remember them? God gave Adam a wife while he was asleep. He was sleeping. So listen, I'm not suggesting be passive and don't care. I'm asking you, let's stop obsessing over our singleness, over our marriage. The last thing is we need to wait on the Lord so we understand eternity. When we give something more attention or weight than it deserves, we are distracting ourselves from an eternal perspective. Because you can't set your eyes on heaven while you're obsessed with the things of this earth. Some singles put 90% of their focus and energy on wanting to be married that may last 30 or 40 years while they're going to spend 100 trillion plus years with Jesus. Look at this whole thing in light of eternity, not in light of the next 30 years. Think about eternity with Jesus. And when you do that, here's what, something great that's going to happen, is that even if you do get married, your marriage will be obsessed with eternity. Because if you are obsessed with eternity with Jesus, and you find someone else who's obsessed with eternity in Jesus, and Jesus brings you together, then now you have a marriage that is obsessed with eternity with Jesus which is going to lead you to make disciples, love the least in our city, and follow Jesus with reckless abandonment. Listen, together. If you're taking notes, here's number two. 
Number two, encouragement for singles in the church is to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. Let's keep reading 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says, I want you to be free from anxieties. How many of you want to be free from anxiety? All right, so we like this, Paul. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and, oh, this is so important, underline, highlight this, get it tattooed on your body, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And that is the whole point of this entire passage. Is that if you are single, or you are married, or you are dating, or you want to be dating, wherever you find yourself on the the relational spectrum today, know that the whole point is to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Will getting married secure and undivided devotion to King Jesus in your life? If so, I am ordained. I can take care of it for you today. If you're single, is that helping you have an undivided devotion to the Lord? If so, wait. Don't rush the Lord. Man, I'll just tell you, being a single Christian in the church is not easy. It's not. Sometimes we feel like And I remember as being a a single Christian in the church, a single pastor, almost treated like I had a disease. Why? why, You're single? Why? Aren't you trying hard enough? It's like, well, I'm not. I'm not icky. I'm just single, you know. Listen, being single, a single Christian does not make you second class. You don't walk into a church and go, well, it's all about the family, all about this second class. Hurry up, go find you a family so you can fit in somewhere in the church. You are not second class. In many ways, the single brothers and sisters that we have in this church are the backbone of our church. They're the ones serving with undivided fervor to the Lord. They're the ones keeping us in check. They're the ones setting the example for those who are married in the church. Hey, remember when you used to be able to serve the Lord with undivided devotion? Check me out. And that's, man, singleness is something not to be shunned or made to feel awkward, but brothers, sisters, actually to be celebrated just as marriage is. And the reason is because it is a calling. It is a calling. And I know when you're single and you want to be married, the last thing you want to hear is, oh, great, this dude got called to have a a family, and I got called to be alone the last thing we want to hear right but the fact is it ain't about what the calling is it's about who called you it's about being with jesus so serve the lord and do it without distraction you know sometimes uh, being obsessed with our singleness or being obsessed with wanting a boyfriend or a girlfriend or being obsessed with wanting to be married is like driving and texting right You can only focus on one thing at a time. I don't care when you're in the passenger seat how many times the driver says, oh, it's cool, I got it. They don't got it, right? There is no way that you're driving and texting at the same time, right? 
unless you just happen to be on 95 and you've been stopped for 20 minutes. Okay, and you've all done it. Don't tell me you haven't. The fact is, when you try to concentrate on those two things, you're going to end up hurting yourself and maybe somebody else too. Don't be distracted by the race that somebody else is running. A lot of times what happens is, is we, we're running and we're fine and we're undistracted, but then all of a sudden we get distracted by somebody else. Well, a friend of mine got married, and so now I want that, right? Don't be distracted. Focus on the Lord, and he will take care of the desires of your heart. The last thing I would say is singles, as you have an undivided distract, or as you are, as you are not distracted, as I am right now, <laughs> as you are not distracted, I want to encourage you, use it for kingdom advantage. Attempt something for God that you could never do if you were married. Some of you know this story, but that was actually one of the big things God used to call us to start this church. Is uh, When we started the first church, we met with over 20 people who we asked to come help us start the, our first church 10 years ago in Fairfax, and all 20 of them told us no. And the reason is because they were all married, and in every instance, I wish I was making this up, but in every instance, one of them wanted to help, and the other one didn't feel called. And as a result, every time I saw them, I had a look of guilt from one person. I'm so sorry, Pastor, we couldn't, but just keep praying for them. I'm praying God changes his heart. And I thought, man, you guys are married. Like, what a hard thing. And so I just want you to know that there have been dozens, many of people who have had to say no to Jesus because they're married, because they, they're, they weren't on the same page. And when you're single, you have an amazing opportunity to say yes to God, to do a lot of things. And so I want to encourage you, man, do that. Like, um, uh, man, go for it. And when we started this church, you know the number one reason we didn't start this church two years earlier than we did? Is because we were married with three kids. And I thought, I want, I'm just now getting a, a more comfortable life for my kids. I don't want my kids to have to go through the hardships of planting a church like me and Ellen had to do our first year of marriage. And God said, but wasn't it awesome? And I was like, yeah, God, it was. It was awesome. Just watching you provide, not knowing where this was going to come from. And then we'd pray, and then you'd do it. And then we'd come in, we'd be super discouraged. And then we'd pray and fast, and you'd come in, and you'd change somebody's heart and life. And, and we just sat back years later and saw all this life change in front of us. God, it was awesome. And he was like, why do you want to take that away from your kids? And I was like, well, God, I don't, okay. We'll go. Guys, when you're married, you have distractions. When you're single, that you don't. And I want to encourage you, go for it. Here's the last thing. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our last encouragement for singles is to get married in the Lord. I know that sounds weird because we just got done talking about all the cool stuff you can do when you're single and uh, that you can do for the Lord. But the point is, marriage is a good gift given to us by God. Uh, let's finish reading this passage, 1 Corinthians seven thirty six. 
says, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the spirit of God. Marriage is a good gift from the Lord. And church, I want you to hear me say this message was in no way intended to take away or to discourage the good gift that marriage is. And if you're married, I don't want you to come in here and feel discouraged. I just want you to also take up the mantle and celebrate the singleness that's in our church as well. I want you to know that we as a church, the Bible holds them in equal footing. And I want you to know we as a church, we can do that too. And, uh, but I do want you to know that there are some people who are single out of laziness. There are people who are single because they have a lack of vision. And there are people who are single because they lack an appreciation of God's good gift. There are people who are single because you believe that um, marriage is not a good gift from God. You've never seen it be good. Um, your parents were divorced. Their parents were divorced. Uh, maybe you've experienced abuse. Maybe your parents um, are still together, but you kind of wish they were divorced. Like, like, I don't know where you grew up, but I know that for some of us, we don't view marriage as a good gift. But I want you to see right here that marriage or singleness can both like give you an undistracted focus and devotion to the Lord. That as much as singleness can do that, if you marry in the Lord, that can happen too. But the key is this. The key is verse 39. Only in the Lord. Only in the Lord. If you are to marry, the Bible says, then you only marry in the Lord. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means... When you marry in the Lord, it means your marriage is, is by God. You do it God's way. It means marriage is not the same as a wedding. It means marriage is, is not the same as being in love. It means marriage is a commitment, the highest form of commitment we have on this earth to display to the world the type of commitment God has with his people. And, and when we marry, we should only marry in the Lord. Marriage is too hard to want to do it just because. Marriage is too hard to want to get married just so you can have sex. Marriage is too hard to want to do it just because you want somebody to cuddle up with every night. Like marriage is too hard. But let me tell you this. Marriage is also way too beautiful to cheapen. It's way too good. It's way too amazing of a gift and way too miraculous a picture of God's love for us to cheapen it. And so the Bible uses this illustration, and uh, Wes, you guys can go ahead and come up. I'll wrap up, but the Bible uses this illustration. Um, any farmers in the house? Really? No, not like a raspberry bush. I'm talking about like a real, okay, I'm just joking with them. Guys, the farmers have this equipment uh, called a yoke, okay? And a yoke is, um, it's like, it's like two, two pieces of equipment that you would use. And you could have more too, but typically let's just say two 
for the sake of this illustration, and you would put one around one ox's neck, and then you would take the other and put it around another ox's neck, and then that big thing, you would attach a really heavy piece of farm equipment to the back of it. And then they, the ox, would just do all the work for you. They would do all the plowing and the tilling up of soil and whatever equipment you put on their back, all right? Here's the problem, is that farmers got really smart. And what they realized is if I have a really big, strong ox over here and have them pull, and then I have a really weak baby ox over here and have her pull, that, that if, I, if I do that, what's going to happen? Well, they're not going to be able to go in a straight line. They're just going to go around in circles because the stronger is always going to pull and it's going to accomplish nothing. And the Bible says when we try to get married outside of God's will, when we try to get married and we try to, try to rush this or try to do this outside of God's plan for our lives, we're just going to end up spinning ourselves in circles. And guys, I've seen too many Christians settle. Listen, you and Jesus is enough. You have God's permission not to settle. But if you're already married and you found yourself with a strong Christian, because here, here's the thing, is like a lot of times we just look at that and go, well, Brandon, I, I've heard that means one Christian needs to be in here and one Christian in here. And that's a good starting point. But the problem with that is, is it doesn't take into account the spiritual maturity. And so what happens if you have two Christians and all of a sudden this Christian is seeking Jesus and wants to go serve God on the mission field and this Christian doesn't even value going to church? You're just going to spin around in circles for the next 30 to 40 years until God changes your heart. So that's why I tell you singles especially, get in a yoke with someone who is not just a Christian. Them that have Christian on their dating profile on the app is not enough to swipe on them. It's not enough. You talking to someone for three months and them telling you they're a Christian is not enough to increase your intimacy with them. It's not. You need to start asking questions about them being a Christian. How do you follow Jesus? How do you pray? How do you study God's word? How important is missions to you? How do you make disciples? What is your vision for what God has for you? And instead of talking about who you want your groomsmen and bridesmaids to be on the third date, maybe you should spend some time talking about who you want Jesus to create inside of you. Because here's the fact, you may never find the right person, but you can be the right person. And instead of spending your whole life trying to find the right person, spend your whole life seeking Jesus, trying to be the right person. And then at the right time, he who knows everyone on the planet is literally the best dating service in the universe. He knows everybody. He will know the proper time to hook you up. But until then, serve the king. Fall in love with the king. And if you're married today and you go, Brandon, I feel like we've been spinning around in circles. Maybe it's time today to get on our knees and say, Lord, equally yoke us. Because I don't want to settle and I don't want her to settle or him to settle even. 
The last thing I want to encourage you with before we pray is church, we have an amazing opportunity to have a church that when they, people walk in, they don't know if we are a church for single people or a church for families. And the reason they don't know is because we all just get along so well. Because single people, let me just tell you, someone who's married with three kids, man, we need you. And those in this church, let me just tell you something. Man, my kids love you. And they love you because you think and invest in them. And you're not waiting till you have your own. And my family is a direct beneficiary of, of that. And I bet I speak on behalf of other families in this church too. I want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you that you matter. And I want to tell you that the way you serve us does serve the Lord. The times that my single brothers and sisters in this church have come over to watch our kids so that we could go have a counseling appointment with someone. Or have come over to watch our kids just so we can go out in the garage and take a nap. Thank you. I want you to know you matter. We see you. And if you're married, I want you to know this too. Our single brothers and sisters need us. Not to hook them up. Okay? Not to tell them, just keep your head up. God's got the right one for you. They need us to be normal. Come on. They need us to stop talking about potty training every time they're at our house. Am I, am, I, am I preaching yet? All right? They need us to act normal. And we won't always, and they'll give us some grace, and we'll give them some grace. And that's how this whole thing works. But what a beautiful church that gets them both together and says we're not going to focus on either one because both are valuable to Jesus. And I want you to know, whether, no matter where you're at today, you are valuable to Jesus. Let's pray. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.